Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Kim Sang-ho earned the name of Jaws from his colleagues because of his speed and ability in the water. As a former member of the South Korean Navy, he served since he was in his 20s, performing deep, challenging dives as a part of his job. He found that his love for diving never ceased even after he retired from the Navy. The diving certifications that he earned while in the Navy allowed him to work as a rescue and salvage diver. It was tough work, but he was good at it. He even had a tattoo of a diver on his left arm that says, The Greatest Deep Sea Diver. Nowadays, he drinks macchioli, a type of alcohol made from rice. In his mind, he drinks as a form of therapy. He drinks to forget, because he wants to forget. He needs to forget the darkest and last days of his diving career. In the spring of 2014, he got a call from one of his buddies saying that he had to help out down south. They did not have enough certified divers to do the job. He watched the entire thing on TV and he thought his friend was right. They do not have enough people. So he drove down hours to Jindo and met his friend to start diving under the icy, turbulent waters with poor visibility. His job was to get inside small spaces and try to search for possible survivors. But instead of the full diving equipment that he was used to, the only source of air he had was a thin, flexible air hose. This was because of the tight spaces that he had to squeeze through. And instead of survivors, all he found were waterlogged corpses that he had to carry up to the surface to be identified. Still, there were hundreds of them waiting for him to be saved. And when he closed his eyes at night, his dreams were filled with all those poor souls he was never able to recover. You are listening to Untimely, a podcast about events in earlier or recent history that resulted in untimely fatalities and damages in its wake. I'm your host, Lynn. There is something beautiful about taking a trip on a ferry. The smell of salt in the air and the refreshing breeze from the waters make ferry trips memorable and fascinating. In this episode of Untimely, we'll learn about a passenger ferry that inspired artworks and documentaries but has also led to the downfall of a Coast Guard group, the conviction of a sitting president, and the many tears that have been shed because of this tragedy. Ferry Naminoe was a passenger and cargo ship built by Hayashikane Shipbuilding and Engineering Company that was completed in 1994. The ship was 479 feet or 146 meters long 
and 72 feet or 22 meters wide with a maximum speed of 22 knots, which is around 41 kilometers per hour or 25 miles per hour. Initially, the ship had a capacity for 921 passengers plus 35 crew members and can carry 180 vehicles and 154 cargo containers. It was in operation in Japan until 2012 when the Chonghai Jin Marine Company bought the ship for 11.6 billion South Korean won or 11.3 million dollars US. Almost immediately, the company refurbished the vessel to add more passenger cabins in the upper decks, which increased the capacity for 117 more passengers. It was then renamed as MV Sewol. By March 15, 2013, after required regulatory and safety checks by the South Korean Register of Shipping, she set sail for the first time. MV Sewol's regular route was from Incheon to Jeju Island, which takes about 13.5 hours one way and completed three times per week. The city of Incheon is one of the major cities in South Korea, close to the capital of Seoul. The city is considered as a transportation hub for the country where the major airport and shipping and passenger ferry terminals are located. On the other end of the route is Jeju Island, a famous and historical area to visit by South Koreans and tourists alike. On the evening of April 15, 2014, the MV Sewol fired up its engines at the Incheon Port Terminal to ready its journey to Jeju Island. At the helm of the ship was Captain Lee Jeon Suk, who was 69 years old at that time. Captain Jeon Suk had over 40 years of experience and had completed the Incheon to Jeju route many times before. He was in contract with the Chonghai Jin Marine Company and on that day was working in replacement of the regular captain of the MV Sewol. There were 33 crew members on board, including the captain. According to the ship's manifest, which was submitted to the Register of Shipping, it was carrying 442 passengers and 987 tons of cargo and also carried 185 vehicles. 325 of the passengers were high school students and teachers from Danwon High School on a school field trip. The MV Sewol was scheduled to depart Incheon at 6.30 p.m., but an unexpected heavy fog delayed the journey. The Vessel Traffic Service, or VTS, restricted travel to all marine vehicles. By 8.35 p.m., however, the restriction was lifted, and at 9 o'clock in the evening, MV Sewol finally departed and headed its way to Jeju Island. At midnight, the ferry entertained its passengers by lighting up fireworks that made the sky glow. Students in the top deck and lower decks took photos and videos of the brightly lit sky and sent them on social media. In other parts of the ship, many were enjoying everything the ferry had to offer. Great food, karaoke, movies, and video games. It was a fun night. In the last quarter of the journey, the ship will need to turn towards Jeju Island above the Mengol Channel. The channel is particularly tricky to navigate. It is known for its unpredictable currents and tidal shifts. But ferries and other marine vessels continue to use the channel because it saves fuel and shortens the time of travel. On the early morning of April 16, 2014, the MV Sewol was cruising the waters of the Yellow Sea at 165 degrees and speed of 20 knots. At the helm of the ship was third mate Park Han Kyu and helmsman Cho Jun Ki. 
The chief engineer was also at the ship's bridge, but the captain was still in his cabin. The channel was unusually calm at only 0.5 meters wave height and the wind speed at 4 to 7 meters per second, so conditions were decent with excellent visibility. There were rock hazards in areas of the channel as well as reefs, but the ferry was cruising at a safe distance. At 8.20 in the morning, as the MV Sewol made its approach to enter the channel, 3rd Mate Park asked Helmsman Cho to change the steering system from automatic to manual. All the while, breakfast was being served at the cafeteria and many students and teachers from Danwon High School were lined up to get their day started while others were still in their cabins waiting for their turn. Some were out on the decks to enjoy the views. At 8.46 a.m., Park checked the course and ordered Cho to correct the navigation to 140 degrees, which Cho immediately followed. Exactly two minutes later, Park checked the radar again and saw that the course changed, probably due to the winds, and ordered Cho to correct the ferry's direction to 145 degrees once again. But this correction was too fast, too soon, and caused the ferry to tilt on its right or starboard side and the bow turning the same way. Realizing what was happening, Park ordered Cho to turn the wheel to left or port. Cho began to turn the wheel and froze in horror. Cho screamed, the wheel isn't working. As the ferry continued to tilt and turn to its right towards 145 degrees, Helmsman Cho fought hard to steer the wheel to the left. With all his strength, Cho held on the wheel spokes and was able to make two full turns to the left, making a correction of five degrees. But the ferry did not budge. So Park ordered Cho again to turn the wheel in the opposite direction, which Cho followed and made another 10-degree turn. Now, this rapid turns and change in directions immediately caused the ferry to tilt even further until it was listing on its side. By 8.15 in the morning, the MV Sewol started to list or lean on its right and was immediately taking on water. The passengers were knocked down as the force and weight of the ferry tilted to its right. Captain Lee rushed to the bridge and other crew members did as well. They found Third Mate Park crying hysterically. The chief engineer made the decision to shut off all the engines and ordered the crew to evacuate out of the bridge. But they did not order evacuation for the passengers. At 8.52 in the morning, one of the students, Choi Dukha, made the first emergency call to the National Emergency Service and reported that the MV Sewol was capsizing. He was asked where the vessel was currently located, but Choi had no idea where they were. In a panic, Choi responded, It's a large sinking vessel in the middle of an open body of water. It's hard to miss. But the emergency services still did not know what to do because they don't know where they were. Around the same time, an announcement was made through the intercom asking everyone to remain calm and stay where they were and do not move. Many passengers were puzzled and confused but followed the announcement even after some of the cabins started to flood with water. At 8.58 in the morning, Jeju Vessel Traffic Service received a distress call from one of the crew members and requested for help from the Coast Guard. The distress call mentioned that the ferry was in danger and starting to roll on its side. At 9.01, a crew member called Incheon Branch of the Chung Hai Jin Marine Company to inform them of what was happening. In turn, 
the company called Captain John Sook to get the latest information from him. Instead, the company got a hold of the first mate and continued to have phone calls for the next half an hour. In the meantime, the passengers remained where they were. Some of the students started recording themselves and each other. Some were joking around. Well, some were quite worried. One of the video recordings even said that the ferry reminded them of the Titanic. When the Coast Guard finally received this information, they dispatched and radioed Jindo Vessel Traffic Service, which was closer to the ferry than Jeju Vessel Traffic Service. It was 9.14 in the morning when the Sewol crew repeatedly reported to Jindo Vessel Traffic Service that the ferry is almost to the side and that evacuation was impossible given the angle of the boat and the amount of water it has been taking on. Vessel Traffic Service asked the crew to announce evacuation plans to the passengers and to make sure everyone wears life jackets. But instead, the announcement made were as follows. Do not move. Just stay where you are. It's dangerous if you move, so just stay where you are. At this point, many passengers did not follow that order. Instead, went up to the top deck and some jumped off the ferry and into the water. By 9.25, since Vessel Traffic Service did not have enough information to make a decision, they asked the captain whether to order the evacuation or not. The captain asked about rescue efforts, to which VTS responded that the Coast Guard has deployed boats and a helicopter. Captain Junsuk screamed there were not enough helicopters for all the passengers. But only after 10 minutes from that phone call did captain ordered an evacuation. But it seems that no one heard this announcement, and instead, passengers remained where they were. Students continued to record videos, but this time, most were terrified and crying, saying their farewells to their loved ones. They knew what was happening. Text messages were exchanged with parents using Kakao Talk, an app similar to WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. Still, no one was aware that evacuation procedures were mobilized. Now imagine a ferry, the size of a cruise ship, leaning on its side and the only top deck railing can be seen above water, slowly sinking every second. Fifty minutes after the first distress call by the student was sent, the first Coast Guard Patrol, number 123, finally arrived. When other rescue boats arrived, one found Captain John Suk, the chief engineer and the third mate waiting for them on the top deck. The captain was wearing a shirt and only underwear and was quick to abandon his ship at 9.46 in the morning, even with hundreds of his passengers still trapped inside the lower decks. Soon other fishing boats started to come near the capsized ferry and the Coast Guard helicopter arrived as well. While rescue operations were underway, the Coast Guard, using their own speakers, made an announcement to the passengers on the ferry to abandon ship and jump on their own but many were already underwater. While the captain and some of his crew members were safe on board the Coast Guard ship, passengers, mostly students, continued to message their parents. This time, the messages they sent started to sound more terrified. The last text message was received at 10.17 in the morning. And at 10.39 in the morning, the ship completely capsized. While rescuers fished people out of the water or picked up those who were on the other side of the ship, they were unable to go inside the ferry because of the list and flooding inside. 
the South Korean Ministry of Defense and Ministry of Oceans and Fisheries declared a state of emergency. The Ministry of Health and Welfare also dispatched emergency responders. The South Korean Navy also deployed. Hours later, around 3 in the afternoon, the South Korean Army Special Warfare Command sent forces to help with rescue operations, which included 40 divers. More private and public agencies sent people to find as many passengers and survivors. At one point, at least 196 people were helping out within the vicinity of the capsized ferry. By nightfall, 8 o'clock in the evening, all rescue operations were pulled. Survivors were brought to the nearest medical facilities. But given the magnitude of the sinking, there were many who they were not able to save. By the next morning, it was reported that at least 14 people were dead, 174 rescued. But what's worse were the hundreds who were still missing. Remember that at the time the MV Sewol left Incheon Port, she was carrying 476 souls on board, 33 of which were crew members, and 325 were high school students. Although the rescue was called off earlier in the evening of April 16th, the next day it was immediately started at 6 o'clock in the morning. There were 171 ships, 29 aircrafts, and over 50 divers searching underneath the frigid seawaters. At this time, more and more bodies were recovered, and the hopes of rescuing some became bleak. Divers tried to enter the ship's cabins but were unable to get inside to search thoroughly. At 2 in the afternoon of that day, the weather stopped cooperating and prevented operations from continuing. As the news of the capsizing reached global headlines, many countries offered assistance to deploy rescue vessels, including the crew of United States ship Bonhomme Richard and the Coast Guard of Japan. In both cases, the South Korean government welcomed the offer but eventually felt that it was not needed, although they did allow United States Navy ship Safeguard to participate in the rescue operations. From the first day after the ferry capsized until June of that year, the death toll kept rising from double digits to triple. By the time the last body was found after a month-long search underwater, there were 299 people reported dead from the capsizing and sinking of the MV Sewol. Many drowned inside the ferry or died from injuries. To this day, there are still nine whose bodies were never recovered. But the casualties were not limited to the passengers and crew of the Sewol. The dangerous rescue operations added to the number of deaths, two divers and five emergency workers. The number of survivors was 172. But two days after the accident, this number will decrease by one, as Vice Principal Kang Min Kyu was found dead after committing suicide. Kang Min Kyu organized the field trip, and he felt extreme regret for surviving, while many of the students he was responsible for protecting died. In his two-page final note, he took full responsibility and asked that his ashes be spread over the site of the ferry's last location so that, quote, that I might be a teacher in heaven to those kids whose bodies have not been found. Angry parents demanded answers from the South Korean ministry, rescue operations, and the operators and owners of the MV Sewol. 
What made their anger escalate is the video of the captain and his crew being rescued while the ferry was still filled with passengers. In South Korean maritime law, it was customary for the captain to remain on the ship as long as possible and to ensure to the best of his or her ability that passengers were given time to jump ship. One of the grieving parents released a video from his son to the media, noting that the entire world needed to see the horror of this accident. The 17-minute video starts at 8.52 in the morning, the moment when the MV Sewol began to list. Park Soo-hyun recorded himself and his classmates at different times during the accident. In the beginning, the students were both slightly scared while at the same time cracking jokes. As minutes went by, when the announcement was sent to wear a life jacket, the video shows students struggling to wear them properly or getting the buckles tangled but they were still in good spirits. Even though at this point, the ferry was almost to its side because some students were laughing that they can walk on walls and defy gravity. By the final minutes of the video, the students became fully aware that there may not be any chance to get out on time. One student said, We're all finished. I have to leave some farewell words before I die. While others simply stated, Mom, I love you. Park Soo-hyun was one of the students who did not survive. According to the investigation, it was concluded that the primary reason for the unreasonably sudden turn to starboard caused the ferry to list and capsize. Now, that definitely was the cause, but what added to the listing of the ferry was the weight of its cargo. If you remember, the ferry reported its weight to the shipping registry before it left, which showed that they were within limits. But in reality, the Sewol was carrying 3,608 tons of cargo, which was three times the limit of 987 tons allowed. Previous crew members, including the regular captain of the Sewol, have brought this issue of overloading cargo and other potential problems with the ferry to the operators, but were met with threats of job loss. Secondary causes of the capsizing were the addition of new passenger cabins and the lack of restoring force. What restoring force does is to bring back a body, in this case the ferry, to its original position if another force is pulling towards one side. With the decreased restoring force, the ship listing to the side was left like that and did not have enough equalizing momentum to bring it back upright. Captain Lee John Sook and the first and second mates and the chief engineer were arrested and charged with homicide through gross negligence from the capsizing of the MV Sewol. Eleven other crew members, including third mate Park and helmsman Cho, also faced charges but of lesser degrees. During the trial, it was determined that this was the first time that third mate Park navigated the channel. In November 2014, Captain Lee John Sook was found guilty of gross negligence and was sentenced to 36 years of imprisonment. The chief engineer was found guilty and sentenced to 30 years imprisonment, while 13 others were sentenced to 20 years. The families of the victims were outraged that the captain was not given the death penalty. Many protested outside the courthouse, determined to get justice for their lost loved ones. After the prosecution appealed, the captain was given a life sentence. The rest of the charged received fewer years in prison from 10 to 12 years maximum. 
The owners and operators of the MV Sewol were also handed down charges for overloading the cargo. The CEO of Shanghai Jin Marine Company, Kim Han-sik, received 10 years imprisonment but was reduced to 7 years. The millionaire chairman of the Shanghai Jin Marine Company fled when the news of the arrests and indictments were enforced. A countrywide manhunt began when the owner Yu Byung-un was set to be arrested but was nowhere to be found. In July 2014, an apricot farmer stumbled upon a decomposed body on his orchard. It was the body of Yu Byung-un, and to this day, the cause of his death was unclear. The Coast Guard was also held responsible for the half-hearted rescue efforts. It seems unreasonable to reach a distressed marine vessel 50 minutes of the first emergency call and dispatching only one patrol boat to assist an entire passenger ferry, especially when the ferry's location when it started to capsize was only less than a mile or 1.5 kilometers offshore. The Coast Guard was dismantled by the government, and with that, the Ministry of Public Safety and Security was established. The political fallout because of this accident reached the highest positions. More protests, led by the grieving families, were held as close to the grounds outside the presidential palace where President Park Geun-hee resided. The public anger about the slow response of the rescue operations and the lack of empathy about what happened became the last straw on the camel's back for the president. As her approval ratings declined dramatically and other political issues surmounted, President Park Geun-hee was eventually removed from office. It was said that during the time of the capsizing of the MV Sewol, the president spent the entire time inside her bedroom. The Prime Minister of South Korea also resigned. The families demanded that the ferry be raised to possibly find the remaining missing persons and let them be interned in peace. In 2015, the South Korean government announced that it has laid out plans to salvage and raise the ferry from its last location 145 feet or 44 meters underwater. In March 2017, several divers installed 33 lifting beams underneath the embedded ferry and used 66 steel cables to raise the MV Sewol above water. Once above water, it was sent to Mokpo, a port about 87 kilometers or 54 miles away. Only two of the remains were found and identified. The people of South Korea will forever be blemished by this tragedy. Many memorials have been raised in honor of the victims and in remembrance of this fateful day. One year after the disaster, thousands of people gathered in various places, including the city of Ansan, where most of the students who perished used to live, holding electric candles that flickered in the memory of what happened. The yellow ribbon became the unifying symbol of the MV Sewol tragedy and was tied everywhere on port railings, homes, and digitally on social media. It can be seen on t-shirts, backpacks, windowsills, and bicycles as a sign of solidarity and respect. Many Korean celebrities changed their profile photos with yellow ribbons and heartfelt messages to the ones who perished and their surviving families. Many artists commemorated this tragedy with moving pieces of art, including artist Choi Jung Hwa's Breathing Flower, which is a 10-meter-wide black lotus sculpture that looks like it is moving. It was installed in the city of Ansan. But with all the memorials and art pieces that represent the event of April 16, 2014, the most impactful, in my humble opinion, 
was the photos of parents left behind by their children inside their preserved bedrooms. Months and years after the accident, some of the parents could not bring themselves to go inside their children's rooms that have been untouched since they left for the field trip in 2014. Teddy bears left on top of pillows, school books organized on shelves, and an unsolved Rubik's Cube remained where they were in memory of their owners. The room of Kim Dong-hyuk was neatly organized as it was when he left, but with the addition of an MP3 player which his parents placed near the games he used to play and the therapy machine for his skin allergy. The MP3 player was found clutched in Kim Dong-hyuk's hand when his body was recovered under the MV Sewol. Dong-hyuk, using a friend's cell phone, filmed his last moments on the sinking ship while wearing a bright orange life vest. Dong-hyuk, looked right at the camera, despite all the chaos happening around him, was able to say, I have to say a last word before I die. Mom and Dad, I love you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Untimely. Tell me what you think about this story of the Seawall ferry disaster. What would you have done? Would you have stayed on the ferry, like the announcement have said? Or would you have jumped ship? How do you feel about the captain? Let us know what you think. If you enjoy this podcast and want to give your support, rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. We look forward to reading reviews and we'll do our best to listen. Follow us on Twitter at Untimely Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.